That our biggest strength as ADHDers is ideation. We can take all these disparate ideas and we put them together in novel and brilliant ways. And that is actually what entrepreneurship is, right? Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Sometimes life makes us an expert in things we never expected. For Tracy Otsuka, it began with her son's ADHD diagnosis at 12 years old, when the psychologist advised Tracy to reduce her son's expectations for his life. She fired the psychologist. Eight months later, Tracy herself was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. With this new understanding of her own brain and her son's, she committed to learning everything she could about what ADHD actually looks like in the real world. Now with her podcast and masterclass, Tracy leads brilliant, driven, high ability ADHD women to see their symptoms as more positive than negative. Research shows that people with ADHD are more likely to become and might actually make better entrepreneurs. I'm so excited to learn more about this area, and I know Tracy is ready to share strategies and advice for leveraging ADHD as a positive in your entrepreneurial journey. Let's dive into the neurodivergent brain with Tracy Otsuka. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Gold Digger. LinkedIn jobs can help you hire the right person for your role fast. Get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's vast and diverse network of 740 million professionals. Visit linkedin.com slash gold digger. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to Hooked on Phonics for supporting Gold Digger. Hooked on Phonics helps kids learn to read with their unique process of utilizing hands-on learning materials shipped to your home every month in combination with their digital reading app. To get your first month for just $1, go to hookedonphonics.com slash gold digger. I am so excited to welcome Tracy to the show. Tracy, welcome to the Gold Digger podcast. Thank you so much. I'm even more excited to be here. Oh, it's so fun interviewing other podcasters because there's just this synergy that is like contagious. And so I hope the listeners can feel all the good energy that we have. Me too. Okay. So I want to know, how did you begin to learn and understand ADHD to become kind of an expert in this source of knowledge for so many people? (laughs) Well, of course, (laughs) after my son was diagnosed, I started to just do all the reading and all the learning that I could possibly do. And I just did not see myself in him at all. It didn't make sense to me, right? Because I knew that I did have to work harder than everyone else in school, but I got through college. I got through law school. I got through graduate law school. I practiced five years, you know, as an attorney. And then You know, I had all these entrepreneurial ventures when my kids were younger. I was a real estate broker that sold distressed properties for dozens of banks. I had done so much and I always knew I was different, 
but I yeah. would have never guessed it was ADHD because I didn't know what ADHD was. And so when I started to do all this research, it literally took me eight months to figure it out. And it was one day I was on the Stairmaster and it was the second time I had gone through the audiobook of Driven to Distraction. Okay. And I think it was in that book somewhere. There was a, a comment about drivenness is a form of hyperactivity. And I was like, huh. oh my gosh, he got it from me. Because I knew he didn't get it from my husband. Yeah. My husband is yeah. very, you know, linear in his thinking, you know, type A, but kind of a calm type A. And everything yeah. needs to be in its perfect box. So I knew it had to come somewhere from my family because ADHD is genetic. So sure. when I started to do all this research, I realized that there was nothing really strength focused. And I am one of these people, I get crap all the time from friends that <laughs> I'm a make lemonade out of lemons person. And I guess I'm irritating sometimes. <laughs> because I'm, always, <laughs> I'm always looking for the, you know, the positive, right? And I was just like, what the heck? Like everything I'm reading, it's just all about the weaknesses and there's all this doom and gloom. But I noticed as I got through my learning that there were some ADHD experts who were bright lights. And those were people mm -hmm. like Drs. Ned Hallowell and John Rady and Dale Archer and Roberto Olivardia, Ellen Lippman, Kathleen Nadeau. And what I realized about them is these were brilliant minds who yeah. also had ADHD who taught at places like Harvard. And I'm wow. thinking, I'm sorry. We've got this ADHD thing all wrong. And so I wanted to learn everything I could. And I started to think about, well, but I want a community, right? Because yeah. community is always where it's at. And so that's why I, you know, started my ADHD for Smart Ass Women Facebook group. And then after that, I was like, okay, I think I need a podcast. And I yes. knew that if I did the podcast, I'd have built in guardrails because yeah. I would disappoint myself but I'd never disappoint anyone else. And I would know that if I showed up there every week and there was just one person who was listening, yeah. I would make sure it happened. So that ultimately led to me becoming an ADHD coach, developing online programs to reduce the shame around ADHD. And honestly, I didn't even believe in coaching when I first started because <laughs> I just thought I was uncoachable. But it's yeah. not that I'm uncoachable. It's that I'm ADHD. So I don't like to be told what to do. So there's a whole different style of how I need to be coached. So that's how it all started. Yeah, it just wow. kind of blew up and pretty darn quickly. Wow. I am just forever inspired by stories where like life is your teacher. The experiences you have or the things that you go through cause you to be the student that sometimes can be more feverish than even when we're doing our studies or getting degrees. And I, I just love how you were able to kind of flip the script and let life teach you something that then you've gone on to share with the world. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, Jenna, I absolutely believe that our best purposes give meaning to our past. So, yes, you know, there's yes. always something that we're digging in there for. Yeah. Okay. So I want to start with the basics because truth be told, I'm not super familiar with ADHD. So can you walk me through like, what is ADHD and what is it not? Absolutely. Okay. So let me start by addressing those listeners who are sitting here thinking, there's no such thing as ADHD. It's part of modern life. We all have some ADHD. In France, there's no ADHD. Okay, this is nonsense. It's misinformation that some media traffics in in order to get the clicks, you know, the likes, whatever. 
every mainstream medical, psychological, and educational organization has concluded that ADHD is real and that those children and adults who have it benefit from treatment, period. Mm. We're talking the National Institute of Health, the American Medical Association, the U.S. Surgeons General, the American Association of Psychiatry, the U.S. Department of Education. They all state that ADHD is a neurobiological condition. As I mentioned before, it's genetic. It's about as heritable as height. We have twin studies. We can see ADHD on brain. Well, not see ADHD, but we can see on brain image scans that the ADHD brain is actually different. It affects mm. anywhere from 5 to 10% of children and 4% of adults. That number for adults is really low because most adults don't even know that adults can have ADHD. <laughs> that it, you know, we think that when they're kids, they grow out of it. And what we have yeah. discovered is that is, in fact, not true. It just starts looking different. And so the hyperactivity wow. becomes less a hyperactivity of the body and more a hyperactivity of the mind. So wow. what is ADHD not? It does not mean that you are stupid, you are slow or unmotivated. In fact, it's far from it. Now, according to the CDC, if you have ADHD, you may have, and the DSM, you may have trouble paying attention, controlling impulsive behaviors, and or you may be overly active. No one really knows exactly what causes ADHD, like for certain, but the belief is that our brains don't get enough of the neurotransmitter dopamine, which is mm. what allows us to regulate emotions. It affects motivation and it plays havoc with our executive functions. And executive functions are things like our ability to plan, schedule, organize, you know, have a sense of time. Now, I personally believe that ADHD is evolutionary. <laughs> yeah. Tom Hartman has a theory that works for me that we're just leftover hunters in a farmer's world. So yeah. we have a different set of skills. I mean, when you think of a farmer, they're sitting on the porch, right? They're watching their crops grow. They're picking the bugs out. They're making sure there are no weeds versus the skills that a hunter, you know, needed yeah were very different. And so the hunter would be, and we're talking about like caveman time, right? The yep. hunter would be out there saying, okay, I'm going to go after that rabbit. And then all of a sudden a deer runs by and they're like, nope, I'm going to be impulsive. I'm going to go after the deer because the deer is the one that's going to, you know, be able to feed my family for a week rather than that one rabbit. And so it's a different set of skills that I believe that we exhibit that, you know, it's what makes our brains work differently. So this is the biggest key about ADHD brains, though. ADHD brains are brains of interest. You know mm -hmm. how you have a light switch yeah. and you can flick it up and the lights turn on, right? Or you can flick it down and the lights turn off. Two speeds, right? That yeah. is the ADHD brain. We are either utterly obsessed or completely uninterested. Huh. That wow. said, every person with ADHD has an area of brilliance and then other areas, and I should say total brilliance, and other areas where they're totally uninterested and they can't even be bothered. And it's not that we won't do it. You know, yeah. parents, teachers, bosses, spouse, they try and make it a moral failing, a character flaw, because we won't do these things the way they want us to do them. But it's not. It's that we can't do it. It can literally be painful. And this is why school can be so difficult for many people mm. with ADHD. I mean, if you think about it, 
our education system, it hasn't changed in 150 years, right? Mm -hmm. Every other industry has changed, but not education. And what do we do in education? We go wide rather than deep. And can you imagine if you have a brain of interest and you're constantly required to go wide? So what we've discovered or what I've discovered with my ADHD women is the farther up in education they go, the more brilliant they become. And so they're the ones that tend to be top of the class once they get to the PhD level or the doctorate level or the master's level because they're finally working in an area of interest. So it's not that we can't learn. We just often don't learn the way they want us to learn. In fact, we tend to be huge lifelong learners. We're highly curious. We learn quickly. And this is because of something called hyperfocus. So when we're really interested, we just plop right in there and we go down that rabbit hole. We tend to not have any concept of time. So we find something, you know, we're interested and in. we'll literally sit there all day, every day until we're satisfied that we know everything we want to know on what we're interested in. And so we can spend five hours doing this and it can feel like 15 minutes. Wow. That's like flow state to another degree. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And, you know, when you think of the term attention deficit, well, that's what ADHD stands for, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It is completely misnamed because we don't have a deficit of attention. We have a surplus of attention. We notice everything. And that noticing everything, that, you know, getting distracted by all the bright, shiny, that's distractibility. And that's curiosity, too. And it ex- mm. also explains why we tend to be so highly creative. Now, wow. attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, some of us are hyperactive, most of us are combined type. Very, you know, I still haven't met someone who's purely hyperactive, but some (laughs) of us, especially women, are inattentive. And we'll talk more about that, you know, in a bit. So even the hyperactivity doesn't make sense in the, you know, acronym ADHD. And then, of course, I don't believe it's a disorder at all. I call it a condition. What I often say is we're basically max in a Windows driven world. Wow. I love your gift of reframing this because I think that it's so powerful. And I've, I've been thinking a lot about how we are conditioned to believe certain things about ourselves, whether it's the media or advertising or mentors in our lives or our parents, especially as a mom, I think about this all the time. And I think that the reframing is so important. And I want to know, because I think that This generation and the times that we find ourselves in, people want to be more sensitive. People want to have a deeper understanding. Is there any terminology that's important to use or understand when discussing ADHD? Well, I mean, just the whole, the only thing that I can come up with, you know, just off the top of my head is this idea that ADHD is a disorder. You know, one of the things that does bother me is when people say, oh, I'm just so ADHD. It's kind of like saying, oh, I'm just so OCD. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are spectral conditions. Um, So maybe you do have a little bit of it, but I think we have to be careful about just throwing off those terms flippantly because, you know, yes, we all struggle to maybe start things at times. 
We all struggle at times to focus, but the reality of it is it's the extent, it's the number of times that this happens and the degree within which it happens that really becomes, you know, a challenge. If you haven't built enough workarounds, you know, I am not one of the lucky ones where medication works. So I'm all about exercise and workarounds, but I will tell you that I meet ADHD people every single day who their life has literally changed because of medication. Mm. That's amazing. I want to know, so Tracy, I think a lot about identity as women, especially women in business. And I can only imagine that first your identity shifted when your son was diagnosed with the condition, but then when you discovered it was something that you also had. And so I'm just curious, like, what did you learn about yourself? And what have you learned about ADHD when it comes to adult women? Because you weren't diagnosed until later in life. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's not a whole lot about ADHD (laughs) in women. Go figure, right? Yeah. (laughs) So most studies on, and this is why it's the women who really aren't getting diagnosed, because the idea is that ADHD is that nine-year-old boy that's, you know, climbing the walls, trying to get out the window in school. And that is not what ADHD often looks like in girls and in women. Sometimes it does, but it's not the most common, you know, way that ADHD yeah. looks. So most studies on ADHD have been done on white prepubescent boys. Mm-hmm. And women have generally been excluded from studies because their hormones, pesky things, constantly <laughs> change during their cycle. And so, you know, research just ignores them because it's too difficult, right? Wow. And yeah. so research typically only includes males. And as I said before, ADHD can look very different in women and girls. And so if you are inattentive, you have more of that spacey, dreamy quality. So think of the girls sitting in the back of the classroom kind of zoning out. These women can be shy. These girls, too, they can be forgetful. They resemble often like an absent-minded professor. So they're really, really brilliant at, you know, one or two things. And then the rest of the things they could care less about. And they're just sitting in the back getting lost in their thoughts. Now, ADHD women, they're twice as likely to have inattentive ADHD than men. And what happens to a lot of these women, but also other ADHD women and girls, is that we're diagnosed with anxiety or depression. Mm. And so we're given, you know, SSRIs and, you know, anxiety or depression type medication, which can actually make our ADHD symptoms worse. So it's really important that medical professionals learn what ADHD looks like in girls and women, because I have met so many women that literally were on, you know, all kinds of medication for decades. Yeah. And we're getting more and more anxious. We're getting more and more depressed. And in reality, it was ADHD. And had the ADHD been addressed first, everything would have been so much better. The other thing too, is that Boys externalize their symptoms versus girls tend to internalize them. So they bring them inside and they beat themselves up. You know, they're not a trouble to society. They're not getting in trouble in school. They're not, you know, they may be at home, but not at school. And so girls do the opposite, right? They take it all inside and then they beat themselves up. And so what we've discovered is that men with ADHD tend to do better than women with ADHD. And on top of all this, we have all the societal roles and stereotypes, right? So what happens is a woman may be 
fine in her career, struggling a little bit, but she's built enough workarounds. And then she has a family and she has to manage the family and the household and the children plus her career. So basically her demands exceed her ability to compensate. And, you know, we tend not to be good at administrative type tasks, you know, like making sure the kids, you know, all the forms are filled out and they're sent off to school. And we beat ourselves up for not being good at that. I mean, when is the last time a man beats himself up because his you know, house isn't <laughs> completely organized or his kids don't have the right forms or they've forgotten their lunch? It, you know, it's so much of it is societal. Wow. I'm I'm just so intrigued by this. And I'm so thankful for people like you who dig in and kind of dissect this. And one of my favorite things about your podcast is, is at the beginning, you list off all of these brilliant minds and, and people that you would probably never correlate having ADHD. And I've read that people with ADHD are more likely to become entrepreneurs. And you talk about this. I want to know why is that? What's the studies around that? Or what have you found? <laughs> well, <laughs> a ADHD, lot. <laughs> yeah. ADHD, as I mentioned, is a spectral condition. It's like intelligence or height, meaning yeah. that you can fall anywhere on the spectrum, right? So you can go from shortest to tallest, you can go from smartest to least smart, whatever smart even means, right? School teaches two, two kinds of intelligence, and we know that there's nine to 11. So what I'm going to say is something pretty controversial, okay? I believe that all entrepreneurs fall somewhere on the ADHD spectrum, and I'm talking about real entrepreneurs, not the ones that own the corner laundromat or the neighborhood grocery store or part of a, you know, a franchise or an, what do they call it? A multi MLM, multi-level oh, yeah, marketing. Yep. Not those. I'm talking about those who've created a business that is ingenious, that hasn't been done before. I'm talking about businesses that require a high level of creativity. Now, most people, when you say creative, right, they think of fine mm -hmm. arts and musicians yeah. and artists, dancers, filmmakers. What I'm talking about here is creativity of thought. Scientists say that our biggest strength as ADHDers is ideation. We can take all these disparate ideas and we put them together in novel and brilliant ways. And that is actually what entrepreneurship is, right? It may have been done before, but we're doing it in a different way. We're bringing new ideas to the table. And so it's yeah. our inattention that is responsible for our imagination. All these thoughts and ideas swirling around in our brains, they can lead to rumination, they can lead to anxiety. But the flip side is, the same inattention is what is responsible for creating businesses, inventions, new forms of thought. We are spontaneous, out-of-the-box thinkers, and we don't give up which when you combine that with our hyper-focus means that we can achieve more, we can work harder, we can work faster, than most other people in our area of interest. I wow. also believe that if you go back in history, you're going to discover that it was the neurodiverse ADHD brains who created most of what has moved society forward, including the wheel. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, if you read up about people like Thomas Edison, Leonardo da Vinci, Alexander Graham Bell, Albert Einstein. Yeah, there's always this common, you know, way that their brains work. And when you talk to someone with ADHD, when I do, certainly for my podcast, when I'm interviewing, yeah. I yeah. always make a point of going through everything they've accomplished because I want to ask that question. What do you yeah. think about that? 
And yeah. they are always blown away by how much they've done. Like they don't even realize it. Many of us also with ADHD have really high levels of energy. And we've discovered that we're much happier when we're in action. When we're yes. not in action, that's when we can slip into rumination and anxiety. So I think we're just prime victims for entrepreneurial pursuits. Combine that wow. with the fact that we're hyperactive, many of us, combined type, we often have little fear. So we jump right in. We're doers. And that's the impulsivity too, right? We have no fear. We dive right in. Yeah, sounds like an entrepreneur to me. So, you know, as I mentioned before, if my son hadn't been diagnosed, I would have never been diagnosed because yeah. I had done so much and I had no idea that drivenness was a form of hyperactivity. I think also the last reason, you know, that you see more entrepreneurs that are ADHD is that when you struggle in school, you get shut out of a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I mean, Gary yeah. Vaynerchuk talks a lot about how, you know, he was an F student. And so, you know, there aren't a whole lot of options when you're an F student. You kind of have to go out there and make it happen. But the kicker to all this is, you know, when you read the studies, it looks like the valedictorians are the ones who end up working for, you know, the C and D students. So, hey. Yeah. Coco loves reading books with us every night. She pays close attention to the story, and now the words are exciting to her. And I love watching her test them out for herself. Now, I know she's young, but it's never too early to introduce her to reading on her own. Hooked on Phonics helps kids learn to read with their unique process of utilizing hands-on learning materials shipped to your home every month in combination with the digital reading app. To start off, you get unlimited access to their powerful reading app. Then to reinforce the skills they're building there, workbooks are sent monthly to give your child hands-on practice. Hooked on Phonics lessons take just 20 minutes or less. They include discussion questions to increase reading comprehension, and their storybooks are written specifically to build your child's confidence. I've partnered with Hooked on Phonics, and they're offering your first month for just $1. Go to hookedonphonics.com slash golddigger. Coco is only two and a half, but the pre-reader steps are introducing her to lowercase letters with rhyming games and flashcards. And it's so fun to see her brain working and celebrating herself as she learns new letters. Give your child the confidence that reading brings with Hooked on Phonics. To get your first month for just $1, go to hookedonphonics.com slash golddigger. That's just $1 for your first month by going to hookedonphonics, P-H-O-N-I-C-S dot com slash golddigger. Quick question. Do you need more than one hand to count the number of hats you wear in a day of running your business? Next question. Are you headed straight to burnout city doing it all alone? You might be ready to hire. Do what I do when I need to hire and use LinkedIn jobs. They'll help you do it for free. Get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's vast and diverse network of 740 million professionals. Fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, motivation you need for your business. Then with simple filtering and management tools, you can easily review, rate, and hone in on your top candidate. I made all of my recent hiring decisions in less than a week because LinkedIn jobs helped me find the ideal candidates with a mix of experience and skills that I needed. LinkedIn jobs can help you hire the right person for your role fast. Your first job post is free. Just visit linkedin.com slash golddigger. That's linkedin.com slash golddigger to get your first job post for free. linkedin.com slash golddigger. Terms and conditions apply. Isn't that wild? Is it weird that now I'm like questioning my entire existence right now? 
<laughs> I'm like thinking about, you know, just what you said. And there's so many things where I'm like, that ticks a box, that ticks a box. But then I'm also like, wait, am I in my head about this? I'm so confused. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Jenna. I was reading, not reading, I was listening to a couple of your podcasts about yeah. productivity tips and strategies. And yes. I know you want to talk about that. And I have yes. to tell you that you have a lot of really good ones that work for my brain. Really? So, hey, <laughs> let's, okay, this is amazing. Well, let's talk about that because, you know, even as you're speaking in terms of like wanting to be hyper-focused and be these achievers. And I think, I think there's that common thread between any of us who are tuning in today is we're listening because we are driven, because we want to learn, because we are students and we take that role seriously. And so it's always interesting because I think that the older I get and, and the more life experience and the more people I encounter, the more that I recognize that sometimes advice isn't universal. And and maybe some of the ways that I think through things might not actually work for other people. I think that's that's totally normal. And so let's talk about what works. So when you hear batch working, meaning if somebody's listening and they don't know mm-hmm. what that is, grouping a common task. So sitting down and writing six emails or today I'm recording five episodes. So I only have to set up once. I'm in that headspace. That's all I'm focused on. How does batch working work for you if it does or if it doesn't? Oh my gosh, it totally works for me. That's exactly (laughs) how I do my podcast. You know, when I first started in podcasting, I would literally do one podcast a week. And you know how time expands to, you know, (laughs) I would literally take one whole week. I mean, obviously I wasn't working on the podcast the whole time, but I was worrying about it the whole time, right? Yes. So I do exactly what you do. I Well, I don't know if I do exactly what you do, but what I do is I do all the research during that one week. I have everybody set up, ready to go. I record all the podcasts. There is no way I could do it every single week. I have to batch podcasts. And I think the reason why batching works for the ADHD brain is we often struggle to start. But once we start, we're off to the races because we pop into hyperfocus if we're in an area of interest and we can't stop. So batching is perfect. I do it whenever I can. Ooh, you know, for me, I'm now, now Tracy, you've just got me like diving into my brain. Like, but for (laughs) me, there's something beautiful when I can tick a box, a mental box off and not have to worry about something for a little while, like where I can give my brain permission to stop thinking about something so I can start thinking about something else. And I feel like that, that ability to batch work and then say, okay, that's done. I can remove that mental clutter to move on to the next thing. It has really, really helped me and just benefited to the creation process and the way that it can kind of eliminate that worry or that overwhelm. Absolutely. It's that creative brain. We have so many thoughts and, you know, we're working on one thing and thinking about another thing. And the more we can focus ourselves and make sure that our intention is in alignment with what it is that we're doing and put those horse blinders on so there are no distractions you know, the quicker we get it done and honestly, the better it gets done. Yeah. You know, we all think that, you know, we've all heard that, oh, you know, I'm a multitasker. Well, yeah, that doesn't work <laughs> at all. No. And there's science that has proven yes. it doesn't work. So stop saying that. Yes, I know. I was just actually researching that last month and and it was like, it 
only works for like 3% of people. And those people aren't even that great at it anyway. So we can all release that idea. So what about like the timer method? So I recently got this hourglass that you can tip over and it goes for 20 minutes. And it's basically to just keep you focused for 20 minutes to get something done. And most of the time I use it on the tasks that I've been dreading or putting off, which likely now after listening to you, I'm probably not interested in those tasks. Is the timer method something that is of benefit? Absolutely. Again, we struggle to start, but once we start, we're all in. So I, so this is kind of an offshoot, right? Of the Pomodoro method where people work for 25 minutes and then they stop for five minutes and they rest and then they work for 25 minutes. Well, I got to tell you, Jenna, if I stopped after 25 minutes to rest, I wouldn't get back to working. (laughs) So I know in my head, yes, exactly. These are the things that are hard for me, like long form writing is really difficult for me to start. And it sucks because I'm a really good writer, but I hate to start. And it's because there's all this crap in my brain and organizing. What do I want to say? First, second, third. What are the points underneath it? I've got it all in there, but I have to pause and calm myself down in order to get it out. And I don't like to do that because I'm hyperactive and I want to keep going and I want to do the fun stuff, right? So I have something that's comparable. It's called a Datix Cube. I bought the one that's like bamboo. I think it's real bamboo. And what it is, is it has a timer on each side. So let let me look at the one that I've got. I've got a couple... 5, 10, 20, and 25. The only one that I use, though, is 25 minutes. And so it's sitting on my desk. It's right there. That's an ADHD thing. Out of sight, out of mind. So whatever you want to be using regularly needs to be right there so you remember it. So if I'm in my head and we need to get out of our head, there's so Mm -hmm. much, you know, science around. I want to, you know, throw in a pitch for Ned Hallowell, Dr. Ned Hallowell and Dr. John Rady's book, ADHD 2.0. It is brilliant. It is strength-focused. And The beauty of it is it explains to me why, you know, the science behind why we need to get into action, because when we're in our head, that's when the anxiety and all the, you know, oh, my God, all these things I need to do. And if you suffer from depression, you know, you can get into the depression. You're in your head. You need to get out of your head. The way to get out of your head is through action. So if Mm. I'm sitting here and I've got this long form writing, I need to start and I can't start. I get out of my head. I get into action. I don't even think about what I'm doing other than to turn that cube on its end. Right away, the timer starts. And the deal that I strike with myself is all you need to do, Tracy, is 25 minutes. You want to stop after 25 minutes, you go right ahead. But all you need to do is start with 25 minutes. And you know what? That thing has worked every time. I've been doing it for years. I have never, ever, ever stopped after 25 minutes. It pops me into my hyper focus. That is incredible. And that's even on the things that I don't really want to do. Yeah. It is the starting, you know, that is so hard. Isn't that funny? I feel like the things that we avoid doing, one, usually take us the least amount of time. <laughs> no. Like they're they're not even overwhelming, but it's like you're putting off like calling the doctor's office to make that appointment. It takes you two minutes to do it. And those are the things that really yes. weigh us down. And it's like, man, if we could just flip the script on some of those things, which is what we're doing. So what about in terms of having like a list or a planner or project management apps? Like are things like that overwhelming? or do they help to keep the focus? Planners. (laughs) I have a lot of theories around planners. So many people with ADHD 
Oh my gosh, because of dopamine, right? It increases our dopamine to go buy all the pretty planners, to receive all the pretty planners. And then we start using the pretty planner. And typically what will happen is, oh, we might work on it for a few days. I literally have dozens of planners like this where it'll it'll be all beautifully filled out for about, oh, I don't know, three days, then about a week. Sometimes I can even do it for two months. And then literally all of a sudden it's just blank. Yeah. Yeah. I don't use it. I forgot to use it. Well, a couple things there. So I actually created a planner because I was so frustrated with this. Again, remember when I said out of sight, out of mind? Yep. Think about that planner. It's sitting on your desk. You have to go to the right month. Then you have to go to the right week. Then you have to go to the right day. Who the hell has time for that? I don't. And so I don't use it. So what I have, and anybody can create this for themselves, is... I have a, think of an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Yep. Cut down the middle. It's on cardstock. So I, you know, I've, so it's half of an eight and a half by 11 sheet piece of cardstock. And I have one for every single week. And on that one sheet of paper, half a sheet of paper, I have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the weekend down at the very bottom. I am only allowed to put no more than, well, I kind of cheat. Sometimes I cram (laughs) in a couple more, but I start out, I do all my planning on Saturday mornings because again, it's in my head. I need to get it out of my head or I'm going to be anxious the whole damn weekend, right? So if I can do my planning Saturday morning early, I wake up early, I do my planning and what I do is I pick one weekly goal for myself. We always plan way too big. Yeah. One weekly goal, something that means something to you personally that you absolutely want to get done. And then what we do is this process called brain downloading. So we download everything, right, that we need to get done. And then we decode the goal and we break it down into little tiny pieces. Remember, we are always trying to spike our own dopamine and spiking our own dopamine is what makes us feel good. You know, it's all about the positive emotion. And when we check things off of our list, we are spiking our own dopamine. Mm. So I have no more than three things that I add to each day that I want to get done. And they are small things. And then as the week progresses, I can fill in the rest. But I've got to tell you, Jenna, I have never been able to use a planner. I have used this for a year and a half and it's because it is simple. It's because it's always on my desk. It's because I can throw it into my purse if I need to run, you know, and go do errands. It is always with me. And then on the back are just my notes. If there's anything that I need to remember right off the top of my head. And, you know, this comes from my dad who practiced dentistry, you know, he had four kids. He, you know, owned a bunch of, you know, rental properties, you know, managed, you know, the house, loved to go out and garden. And he literally had his whole life on a three by five card. Every week he'd have a three by five card with one of those, remember those big pens that have all the different colors? Yep. Literally that was, he would put the big pen on the little three by five. He still uses it to this day. He's 87. That is how he managed you know, his life and it worked for him. And I think I got most of my ADHD from my dad. And so, you know, this is basically a bigger version of that. And we think that, oh my God, we're so busy. We can't possibly, you know, do one week on a card. Trust me, you can. Wow. I think this is so compelling. And and we do it as a team in terms of we call it our big three, where it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. if we can just get three things that move the needle forward done, 
then we can dive into the million other tabs that we want to open or things like that. And I, we also do brain dumps where kind of what you were mm-hmm. saying, downloading your thoughts and just getting everything out. Cause I think too, especially being a mom to a young child, there are so many things where <laughs> life infiltrates business and business infiltrates life. And then you're working and you're thinking about parenting and you're parenting and you're thinking about work. And it's like, when we can kind of trust that our thoughts are safe, we can kind of release them in a different way that gives us more peace. And I think that we all desire a little more peace in our lives. You're absolutely right on that. And the key, which is what I was trying to mention last time, and it just kind of went away like a butterfly, not in a net. <laughs> the key for ADHD brains is we are doers. We are movers. We don't celebrate our success as well. Yeah. You need to pause at the end of the week or even Saturday morning. Well, I'm all about the gold stars. Gold stars yeah. are great for our brains. So my whole system is set up with gold stars. So that means you pause and you really appreciate everything you've accomplished. Mm. Because when yeah. you do that, what you're doing is increasing your own dopamine and you learn to really start to like that feeling. And that is what causes you to then make sure that you do it the next week and the week after that and the week after that. You're literally looking and saying, I reached that goal. I'm really proud of myself. And we don't tend to do that. We're just next on to the next thing. That's beautiful. And that's, I mean, that's a beautiful thing to adopt into your life, no matter what you're going through. I think we all need that more. And I think we're all guilty of that. And I I love that that's part of your practice because I think that's beautiful. So I want to know, one of the most powerful things that I think you do, Tracy, and I think you you inspire me so much in this way, is if you think about for someone who might think of their ADHD as a negative, not a positive, where does the work begin to reverse that thinking? And this goes for everything, like anything that is a limiting mindset or you've been told you're not good at. How do you start to reframe and what does that look like? Well, I mean, the first place I would start, you know, is, you know, my podcast where I'm just shouting out all these names of people with ADHD, right? It's about community and realizing that, oh, Ellen DeGeneres has ADHD, Serena Williams, Chelsea Handler, Mel Robbins, Erin Brockovich. I mean, you know, these women have all done incredible things with their lives. So first, I think just noticing that maybe ADHD isn't what they tell us that it is, number one. Maybe yep. it could be something else as well. And, and you know, I am not saying that ADHD is a superpower. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm yeah. saying is for every weakness, there is an opposing strength. So rather than trying to shore up our weaknesses, screw that, focus on your <laughs> strengths because that is really where you're going to shine. So finding people that, you know, you can say, oh my gosh, they have ADHD? That's, a, you know, to me, that's the first place that I go. Then I think the most important thing is that you learn about ADHD and what it actually is. Like anything, yeah. it's, it's about awareness, right? Once we're aware and we understand why we do what we do, then we can actually build specific workarounds. Wow. The other thing is understanding your unique ADHD brain. The deal with ADHD and what makes it so difficult is, number one, your ADHD may not look like mine, and what works for you may not work for that person. So you really have to pay attention to what works for you. And that means digging deep and learning how your unique ADHD brain presents. 
And then yeah. going about, you know, you, you got to test it. Does it work for you? I don't know. It works for me. It might not work for you. You yeah. have to be the best expert on you. And then I think the final piece is community, you know, really reducing mm -hmm. shame around ADHD. You know, by the age of 12, ADHD kids hear 20,000 more negative messages than mm -hmm. a neurotypical child does. So that yeah. is really what causes so much of the anxiety and the depression, and especially if they don't know what it is too, right? Yeah. Wow. Your desire to dig deep and to be so aware and to learn. And, and it, it makes me smile because I just think about your story. And I'm curious, Tracy, and, and this is a little personal, but do you think you would have researched as intensely if you had been diagnosed before your son was? Because I feel like when I look at this from the point of view of a mother, if there is something that was potentially an obstacle that my child could overcome, I'm just curious, have you ever thought about that? Because a mother will do anything, right? But I'm curious if you think your approach may have been different had you been diagnosed prior to your son. Wow. I don't know. I tend to be the kind of person when I, you know, get a bee in my bonnet <laughs> and decide that there's something that needs to be done, that I'm all in. That said, I am certain that my ADHD was responsible for the way I went to bat for him. Mm. And, you know, just and if there are any ADHD parents out there, they are going to understand. I mean, it really it's a battle because yeah. Our school system is set up a certain way and it's set up to make it, you know, it's easier for teachers and, and I get and administrators and I get that, but it's not educating so many amazing kids in a way that would really serve the world. So I'm not 100% sure about that question, yeah. like how to answer that. Although I will tell you, yeah, I mean, you know, we're mama bears, right? And yeah. You can say something about me, but don't you dare say it about my son. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So. Oh, I love that. So I want to know, and, and this is kind of a selfish question as well, but like what should bosses and leaders know about neurodivergent brains in order to help those that they work with or those that they serve or those that are a part of their team? So you'll be surprised to know, or maybe you won't be, that I only hire people with ADHD. Mm, and that. sometimes they don't know they have it, yeah. but as they start working with me and learning, you know, just, you know, <laughs> I can see it. how this could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly they're like, oh my gosh, I think I might be ADHD. Actually, I have one, I have one young woman that I am not sure that she's ADHD, but sure. I will tell you, she's in an administrative role and yeah. she's so good that, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, I'd hire her again. The thing is though, what they are doing has to be in their area of interest. You know, initially yes. what I was doing is I was just hiring myself, right? So yep. if I'm hiring someone for admin work and they're bored to death, then it's like hiring yeah. me. Yes. <laughs> that yes. wasn't working out at all. And I think there's this idea that you can't be ADHD and be really good at administrative tasks, or you can't be an accountant, or you can't be a professional organizer or a money manager, yeah. or run big online launches, you know, or be a surgeon. And I've had literally every single one of those ADHD mm -hmm. women on my podcast. So that is not true. Every, you know, uh, every single ADHD person, they have a different area of interest. And so yeah. a lot of women, they'll go to the doctor and they'll be like, oh, you, you went through medical school. You can't be ADHD. Yep. And they believe they're doctors. 
They're doctors. And for decades, they believed it until, you know, well, hormones are, hormones greatly affect estrogen levels. So a lot of women, they are not diagnosed until perimenopause or even menopause. And they, they start to think that, oh my gosh, I think I'm, I have early onset dementia or Alzheimer's, you know, Parkinson's, something. Okay. So going back, sorry, I need to rein my ADHD brain back in. Obviously, making sure that that employee is working within that area of brilliance is first and foremost. As I said before, we're great starters. We're good implementers, but the follow-up, once everything is all set up, it gets boring and we can struggle with that. So I talk a lot with my people about pausing and figuring out how to be a last 5% finisher. Because Mm. what happens to our ADHD brains is we have all these 95% done projects, right? They're cluttering up our mind. They're cluttering up our, you know, our homes. They're, they're cluttering up, you know, our workspace and it doesn't feel good. So we don't look at that project and, and get a positive emotion dopamine hit like, oh my gosh, I completed that. So I'm constantly reminding people of what they haven't completed now, mm-hmm. you know, so that I can work with them to make sure that they are last 5% finishers and they get that thing done and then celebrate with them. Yes. Now, that also includes doing a debriefing. Okay. Like what worked really well? What didn't? What did we learn? How will we apply this learning into the future? Because again, we don't typically build in that pause. You know, what I'm always trying to do is stop them from just jumping on in and being doers. Because sometimes we're doing and we're not doing in an area we should be doing. You know, yeah. we're procrastinating or procrastinating <laughs> just to kind of get the action going because that feels better than sitting there and being uncomfortable and and pausing and, and trying to figure out, okay, what did I learn from this? Should I continue doing this? We're also creatures of positive emotion. So positive emotion, interest is number one, positive emotion is number two. So mm. even the blustery ADHD people, it's a facade. <laughs> Many of us will crumble under a lot of negativity, but conversely, we thrive with appreciation and recognition. So mm. I would say always make sure that you lead with the positive emotion. You know, even if you yeah. know you're struggling and things aren't going well, what has gone right? Lead with that and then move into what can be done better so that they're actually going to be paying attention. Because yeah. if you start with everything that's going wrong, they're just going to shut down you know, they're not even going to hear what you're saying. We also need structure. So provide as much of that as you can. We will tell you, we don't want structure. We're spontaneous. We just don't want to go with the flow. <laughs> We're flexible. <laughs> yes. We need structure. And I think those of us who have had a lot of success have had success because we have built the structure around us. Sometimes that doesn't mean that we're the ones who have to provide the structure, you know, at all. We hire people to provide the structure for us. Yes. I am literally visualizing members of my team. My integrator (laughs) is just incredible at structure. And so she can literally like give you an exact list in terms of priority. And like, it's just wild as you're speaking, because I can visualize instances that have happened in the last 24 hours where I'm like, yes, this, this totally makes sense. And I'm so enlightened. And I'm just so excited to continue learning from you and digging into all that you create, which speaking of Tracy, can you give us all of the places to connect with you to learn more to listen to your podcast to take your programs like give us all of the places. 
Absolutely. Thank you for asking. So the podcast is, you know, on all the podcast platforms. It's called ADHD for Smart Ass Women. We also have a Facebook group of the same name. My website is tracyoutsuka.com. I'm on Instagram at tracyoutsuka. And I'm trying to think if I can remember. I try to always do my URLs the same way so that I can remember them. (laughs) But I run a program called Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, which is all about discovering who you are, why you're here, what you're meant to do with your life. And we do it in a way that's super structured so you will never forget it. Because my problem Mm. was I kept doing all these things and then I'd forget. Oh, what did I know about myself? Which direction am I going? And in order to sign up for that program or get on the wait list, it's not open right now. It's tracyatsuka.com forward slash AOK, I believe. (laughs) Amazing. Tracy, this was so enlightening. Here's my final question. If somebody's (laughs) listening to this and they've never been diagnosed, but they're now slightly curious, what's the next step? Start listening to my podcast. There we go. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I mean, I already tuned in, but now I'm like, wait, I might be listening through a different lens. I think I was listening for people who I know have been diagnosed, but now I'm like, hmm, I think I might actually need this just as much. (laughs) You know, Jenna, if you think about, you know, have you ever, like your entire life, have you always felt that you're different, but you didn't know why, you didn't know what it was. And there are so many things that are connected to ADHD. And when women listen to the podcast, I have men listeners too, but when women listen to the podcast, they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that has to do with ADHD. For example, Mm -hmm. interpersonal intuition. If you feel like you can walk into a room and you know exactly what's going on, even though you don't know the people, you just have this gut sense. Yeah. You might want to consider ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for sharing just your joy and your expertise and your experience. This was such an incredible conversation. I'm so excited for everyone to tune in. Thank you. I may or may not have just voice texted Kylie after that discussion saying, I feel like my life was just cracked open during that interview. And I don't necessarily know exactly what to think about it quite yet, but in understanding more of what Tracy's experience has been and some of the commonalities found between successful female entrepreneurs and the way that they navigate the world, I am 100% more curious about ADHD and potentially if I'm personally on the spectrum and what that might look like. I hope that today's episode was equally as enlightening for you, whether you might think the same way I am and be questioning just about everything, or you have someone in your life who might struggle with ADHD and how you can support them and and help them reframe it. I am forever inspired by hearing about people's stories where life throws them a curveball and it's kind of a sink or swim moment. And they choose to swim and dive in and learn and and become a student. And Tracy's work just inspires me so much in the power of reframing different notions and ideas and navigating with a different sort of confidence. I am always just so grateful for this opportunity to ask these questions and to get to interview these incredible minds. And I'm super, super grateful for today's episode. I hope you feel the same way. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Until next time, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. 
Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. 